IP. 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 Welcome to IP series, home to all things IP related, where I give you the stories, tips, and implications to business and creative decision concerning your intangible assets with real life case study. I am your host, Rita Henry Chinda. Subscribe and turn on your notification so you don't miss an episode. Cheers, guys. So IP friends, today's episode, I'm super, super stoked about it because this is going to be my first movie slash series review in relation to intellectual property. Now, if you love horror movie, I know they are extreme horrors, but if you love gothic horror and the future of intellectual property, which is like our major conversation for this podcast, then you are in for a treat. So it turns out that over the weekend, uh, I mean, I had initially saved you, but I didn't really know what to expect. So I saw a, a message on the group I belong to, which was kind of like a prompt for me to go back and check the movie out. And when I started watching episode one, I couldn't wait to finish it. So today's episode we're going to be discussing the netflix miniseries titled the fall of the house of usher based on the works of edgar Allan poe so you know that as a copyright owner if you're a book author you enjoy certain exclusive rights to monetize and commercialize your work in form of a production rights uh, publishing right distribution rights adaptation right translation right now this movie is an adaptation of Edgar Allan Poe's movie. Now, this fall of the House of Usher tells the story of a corrupt pharmaceutical dynasty that is haunted by a mysterious woman who kills their heads one by one. And each episode tells the story of each of the heads died, how they all died. The series is not only thrilling and gruesome adaptation of Poe's story but also a clever commentary on the ethical and legal issues of intellectual property and the modern world and there are certain IP elements that you know came to mind when I was watching it um, and I think I, I paid more attention from episode 3 which is what is inspiring today's episode so Let's get in. So, my IP antenna basically stood in episode three, and this is how Camille Le Espanier one of the illegitimate children of Roderick Usher, who is the public relation head of Fortunado Pharmaceutical. She was so obsessed with exposing and ruining her half-sister, Victoria La Fourcade, who is a gifted surgeon and the inventor of a revolutionary heart merge, mesh device. Now, Camille snuck into Victoria's lab where she encounters 
a group of chimpanzees that are part of Victorian's experiment. She also meets Verna, the mysterious woman who is behind the usher's mother, who ended up unleashing one of the chimps on Camille that resulted to her brutal death. However, like I stated, my antenna stood when Augustine Dupin, you know Augustine, if you've not watched it, I don't want to do spoilers for you, but Augustine Dupin was invited by Roderick Usher to come listen to his confession regarding how his children died. So they were having a conversation, you know, and Dupin was like, um, do you know that Perry died um, from using Monty, that they found Monty, which was a drug in his system. It was like the autopsy toxicologic report stated that they found Monty in his system. Then he asks Roderick. And he was like, didn't bother to make lemonade out of that. You know, and Roderick asked, what the F is Monty, you know? And Dupin replies, it's a street engineered derivative of liquidine, your drug. I heard derivative, I was like, ah, ah, everybody speaking my lingo here, you know? I mean, when when it, when I watched this in the first time, it didn't really go ding, 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 but you know, I was like, okay, you guys are heading somewhere. And then later, um so the conversation continues and here's the interplay of ip that is my major um, focus for discussion today and he goes um your drug has been modified and i saw it from the counterfeit angle you know people want to make quick balls they find a way to like you said do an engineered derivative of your product and put it in the market and they are selling. So they take bits of what you have, but then they now create something new out of what you've created. So that's eventually enjoys a form of IP protection. Anyways, moving on to Roderick's story. So Roderick states he wished he didn't stumble on the drug. You know, he he stated again that he assumed that the chemist wasn't lying about how addictive liquidine was the addictive property was liquidine. They were like took it back to so then I did like a flashback to when Roderick went to make a pitch to Rufus Griswold. And after everything, Griswold went ahead to buy the pharmacy or the company where the chemist worked. So he was so Fortunato ended up buying Lando Pharma. And then that raised another IP, you know, related issues. And I was like, ah, you people are just using me to catch crews <laughs> this afternoon. So, first one was like, when, you know, Roderick barged into the office and was like, you played me, you took my drug, you couldn't belong to me, blah, 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 you know. And Rufus was like, do you have an exclusive agreement with the chemist? Now, this highlights the importance of signing IP assignments um, for a product. That way, when the 
IP owner decides to want to monetize a form of selling or licensing, they will always tell the person that, oh, I have a middle person who acts on my behalf. He has the assignment to do certain things for me. I hope that makes sense. So he was like, an IP owner... Okay, so basically, an IP owner always identifies the commercial value, and Roderick never understood the commercial value because when he barged in and screaming, you stole or you took my product, you took my product, Rufus from the pitch saw the commercial value. And this is another thing that, you know, startups or people looking for funding always tend to miss that you forget about the whole the major thing or the price, which is the commercial value that they will be offering. Um, I always say register your work, but people always say they, they can afford it. But if you really are intentional about your brand, you're going to consider that. Sign an exclusive agreement, um, you know. So other than signing exclusive deals or exclusive agreements, you need to do your IP diligence to verify that the person who you are in talks with doesn't have any encumbrance. Now we'll see that Roderick claimed to have had, um, he had prepared a deal with a chemist called Metzer, who happens to be an employee of Lando now Fortunado. And according to Rufus Griswold, who is the director or CEO of Fortunato at that time, um, he stated that Metzer doesn't own the IP in Legato. So you now have issues as to IP ownership, why on the cost of employment, what does your IP contract state, and Griswold's being a good business person went ahead to read the clause. It was like, the IP clause reads as follow. Any IP Metsa creates while in their employment, especially utilizing landlords, facilities shall remain the sole ownership or blah, 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 blah. And so Lander owns it all. Closing remark, I guess, that's why he is a chemist and not a lawyer today. So proud. <laughs> okay, kidding. Not kidding at the same time. But you get my drift. So in every everything you're doing, ensure that you are dotting and crossing your eyes properly. Don't get carried away by oral um, promises. And if you're an employee in a company, you're creating or you're developing or inventing something, make sure that your employment agreement, especially the IP clause, categorically states when and how you can own anything that you create. So if you if you're still if the company like um um Lando's agreements, yeah, Lando's like Lando Pharma agreements, which um Griswold read for Roderick states that why you are employed, especially utilizing their facilities. So you see, they're expressive and not ambiguous. If you use their facilities while you're in the employment, anything you create belongs to them. So that means if you don't use their facility, it belongs to you. So it's best that other than leave it that way, you go for that to expand it. So in the event of a dispute, to tend like that's your document, you know. Um, lessons always have a lawyer with your contract before signing a document. Now, Roderick's counter offers or counter arguments was that Legodon was his idea, which Chris Ward responds to say, an idea is nothing. IP doesn't protect an idea unless we see the invention, the creation, the draw, 
um, the product, whatever it is. And then he goes to say, it's a mm, that. <laughs> so he says it's a fat that your brain makes when it comes to, when you are talking about ideas, and say an idea is a fat that your brain makes. So when it comes to IP, ideas are not protected unless we can see your invention operation, which I've just said. Um, Rufus further advice, advices um, Rodri says, if you patent an idea, then it's an asset. Rufus saw the commercial value, hence why he went for the big ship. He didn't, he went to get the Lando farmer to be able to get Mensa, the chemist, you know? Then he was like, and that's the truth. And that is really the truth. Roderick was then offered $500. And Rufus said, I'm giving you my gratitude. And my gratitude is worth $500, which he called finder's fee for an idea. But in real life, there's nothing like finder's fee for, for an idea. Forget. Um, so he says, I'm offering you nothing. I'm offering you money for nothing, for words, for hot air that's how the real world works so be alert and decide on your short ride to success and as we can see or as we saw rufus reese was finally telling Roderick, you know stating um he could be next door to me blah blah, blah. you know if you watch the whole like i said we're going to give you guys spoilers but please go and watch it now Let's get back to the phrase, when life hands you lemons. I'm sure a lot of us will say, when life hands you lemons, make lemonade. Omo, Roderick changed it in this movie. Like when he was talking, I was like, ah, person didn't think like this. So Dupin says, he responded like we would have all responded. When life hands you lemons, make lemonade. Roderick is like, no. Hey. My brain open. I say I must hear this. So let's follow this genius Roderick Usher's step two. The whole lemon story. So he starts first, roll out a multimedia campaign to convince people that lemons are incredibly scarce, which will only work if you have stop by so i'm reading i think i'm, I'm reading verbatim for verbatim because i had to pause i tried to screenshot but it was coming up blank because i wanted to do like a carousel to tell the story but i said what better way to interact with my ip friends i'm going to tell you the story okay so i think this is like the only uh spoilers it's not really a spoiler shot, but if you're an ip person it might be a spoiler for you but please check it out so let me continue. He said, first roll out a multimedia campaign. I think this will apply for big companies like the Amazons and the Microsoft and the Apple Inc. And the Barbie. I mean, when he said that, the first thing that came to my mind was Barbie. And I was like, hmm, I see where you're going. But anyway, he says, you know, convince people lemons are incredibly scarce, which will only work if you stockpile, then you control the supply. Now, it goes for that to mention immediate bleeds. So, lemon is the only way to say I love you. The most positive or ne um, negative accessories, limited edition, lemon bracelets, lemon um, yellow diamonds called lemon drops. It's giving Barbie for me and pink. Is this the Barbie collection? Like, 
anywhere you see pink i mean the face is as phased out but you know a month to when the movie was to premiere a week to it was pink oh anyways i think i also did like a pink team carousel that period just to follow but let's let's talk so it goes to say um apple operating system os lemon with an accent so i didn't catch the accent pardon me now um pure i'll be pure ninja babe so let's see no, i don't have i don't have let's move on um timot chalament wears lemon shoes at king's Boucher, hashtag campaign lemon omg hashtag lemon so he mentioned barely i yes eilish and i i love her always i really love her no i shall like her then my favorite part was when he said then you patent the seed and i was like ah, patent the seed for ninja no in america yes anything is possible write a line of genetic codes that make lemons look like <laughs> so he said make it look a little more like t-i-t-s mm. lemon dna sequence you cross pollinate get them circulating in the wild and then you sue the farmers for copyright infringement so the copyright infringement was where i really had a problem with when he said it because i mean i i do recall um a case we had discussed in my master's levels about seeds you know farmers cross-pollinated to the next farmers um hectare of land you know the, 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 he produced and he was suing for infringement me when I nature take it goes whoo breeze oh yeah exchange you know that kind of thing so he goes to say you sue the farmers for copyright infringement which I think is a bit wild and mean and bullish but you know um when that genetical shows up on their land yeah um then sit back and make in Okay, so the word he used was rake in the millions. And then when you're done and you've sold the lemon pie, see the phrase there, you just shorten lemon, remove O-N. So it's lempire for a few billion dollars. Then you make some fucking, sorry, I'm not sure it's not Then you make some effing lemonade. Well, if you were watching or if you are watching episode three where Roderick finished telling Dupin this story, you see the way Dupin's mouth was open. That's how my mouth was open. And I was like, yeah. Yeah. See how person sit down, analyze how you go break down, make money from all this. Like, he's not thinking about the shortcut. No, there are different ways to make money. I think I saw a publication recently on LinkedIn where someone was talking about how content creators, I think it was like a five-step, you know, something. can't remember what it was. But Roderick's detailed strategy for me is, you know, it's mind-blowing. 
So, because I'm based in Nigeria, I picked out a few things and I, I thought to, you know, share with you what would have happened if it's in Nigeria. Do we patent seeds in Nigeria? No. But we have um, a law called the Plant Variety Protection Act, which the former president, President Mohamed Buhari, was gracious enough to sign before his tenure expired. So I'll take you through the summary of the act. Not going to go into details, but then one thing I will say, okay, yeah. One thing I will say is I, I, I also had to do a bit of digging with regards to the US IP system because they applied the first to use principle. We applied the first to file principle. So you see um, Roderick details, first to use. Go through all that marketing campaign, media blitz, creates and collaborate, um, limited edition, you know, s sprinkle it so that people will fall for your trap, then you sue them. That's the first to use. That's how first to use works. First to file it. Sharp, sharp, go and, go and file your, your thingy. Don't be waiting until tomorrow. So how are seeds protected in the U.S.? And Nigeria will be our next conversation. Now, from my little research in the U.S., plants and seeds can be patented if they are defined by a single DNA sequence, if created by one person. Now, seed breeders enjoy a multi-layered form of IP protection in the U.S., so they, they are protect they enjoy patent protection for their seed and also plant variety protection after obtaining the plant variety protection certificate in the new variety that has been created. Now there's a debate and issue with private varieties and public varieties of seeds and with advances in biotech genes, um uh, you know, talking about specific inheritable traits that can be transferred to another um, crop variety, which then creates a genetically modified variety. Yeah, I know I'm seeking plenty big wheatings, but bear with me, you know? Um, plant variety also aids innovation in plant breeding and increases the diversity of seeds available to farmers. Um, traits a seed or plant um, IP must have, they include, they must be uniform, um, they must also have um, agrochemical resistance, and that is, I'm talking about negative traits of seeds that must have in the U.S. and animals. And then you're going to be talking about diversity, regional adaptation, and lower resource use. I think that will apply to the positive. Sorry, so I talked about private and public, but you know. Switch them anyhow you want, but that's basically now in the US. This is issued by the USDA, and then you, you also need to consider agricultural marketing services. However, you found out that, or from my research, I found out that farmers and seed breeders are not allowed to reuse a new seed variety. Isn't that interesting? So let's use Rodrigue's analogy of the lemonade that he, you know, gave us. The long story. Let, let, let me get to because I had to put it down so I don't miss it. So it says the so other than the teeth lemon DNA sequence, he also talked about uh, 
so i'm seeing rollouts xyz linear bleed so yeah the dna sequence and then you wait to sell for a few billion so yeah the lemonade dna sequence was where what is where this our conversation is going to come out from um you know so the u.s also has like a plant patent usually issued by the u.s patent and trade office and is a, and applies to flowers ornamentals and tree crops while utility patents would include patents issued for new crop varieties cultivated plants hybrids inbreeds and breeding lines but no exception for reuse reuse by farmers and other seed um, breeders so that's about it about how you can protect your seeds and plants and crop trees vines flowers in the united states now let's come back to these you know for niger how do we do it here in nigeria now if you also want to learn more about plant variety protection i had that some i think in 2020 interviewed um had a guest coming to talk to us about plant variety you pour and everything you need to know so let me just get that episode so you can check it out so it's called understanding the uncommon ip called plant varieties and breeders rights so i had interviewed yolanda Hurta, who is the legal counsel and director of training who was the legal counsel and director of training and assistance at UPOV. So she talked, you know, gave her opinions about it. Now it was published 25th of November 2020, almost three years next month. So you're welcome. Now in Nigeria, by virtue of section 13 to 16, um, it lists the condition for protecting a variety of seeds and plant genera and species. Now, Section 12, which enlists that um, the seeds must be new, distinct, uniform, and stable. Now, if it has not been sold or disposed to any other person for the purpose of exploration, then you can say the seed in question is new, is uniform, is distinct, and is um, stable right how do you apply for a plant variety protection in nigeria see section 17 and 28 to be properly guided or oh, wait hold on let me read it for you guys but i'm not going to read everything should i no i won't okay um section 20 talks about right of priority um 19 talks about variety denomination section 28 of the nigerian plant variety protection that talks about provisional protection now did you know that you can object to the proposed grant of someone getting a breeder's right in nigeria you must do that within one month after the publication has been made in line with section 23 kind of similar to patent sorry trademark registration where um, the registry publishes the journal but in trademarks situation it's going to be three months and not one month then you have to look out for the grounds for objecting found in section 25 i'm going to take it again section 12 
talks about protection of variety under this act shall apply to all plants and general and species section 13 talks about talks about conditions for protection which is it must be new distinct uniform and stable and the grant of the bill should not be subject to any further or different condition provided that the variety is designated by denomination in accordance with section 19. so section 19 talks about the variety denomination which provides that the variety shall be designated by denomination which shall be its generic designation um, so that is also section 6 the rights in designation registered as the denomination of variety shall not hamper the free use of the denomination in connection with the variety the denomination shall the denomination shall enable the variety to be identified shall not mislead or cause confusion concerning the characteristics value or identity of the variety or the identity of the breeder shall be different from every denomination which designates in the territory of any member of the international organization dealing with plant breeders right matters to which nigeria is party to apologies if you're hearing sound roughly paper sounds um just trying to get the act up in front of me i don't have the e-copy i have the hard copy which i had to download and print out yeah so upov like i mentioned means union international pour la protection des obtention vegetals that's the full um interpretation of upov so so it also gives registrar the um the right to register the denomination submit unless it considered the, the the denomination unsuitable within Nigeria. Um, which other sections there? I'm trying to go through all the sections I mentioned. So section twenty, filing date of an application. So the filing date shall be the date which the application was filed at the registry. Um, twenty one talks about right of right priority. <laughs> Any breeder who has duly filed an application for protection. If you write one of the member of international organization dealing with plant rights matters, which Nigeria is party to shall enjoy a right of priority for a maximum period of 12 months, which shall be computed from the date of filing the first application and the day of filing shall not be included in the latter day. You benefit from right of priority. Um, let's see. Objection. Grounds for objection. You need to specify the grounds on which objecting the person's application um include statement of facts alleged in support of your grounds be supported by an affidavit or other proof where required um so 25 says when you're objecting you should say that the applicant as the person that applied is not entitled to file the application it contains a material that misrepresent the contents of the application do not apply with this act and hold on Okay, I think that's about it. Just three that you have to, you know, take into consideration. Then what are the the rights that a breeder enjoys? You can find that on that section twenty nine, which says that the breeder shall enjoy the production or reproduction or multiplication of the seed or um, plant general 
conditioning for the purpose of propagation, offering for sale, selling, or marketing, exporting, importing, stocking for any purpose. Now, the breeder must give his authorization subject to conditional limitation, and then the act referred to in you know the previous the previous right which is production offering for sale shall apply to harvested material including entire plants and parts of plants obtained through the unauthorized use of the propagating material of the protected variety um, the products made directly from harvested material of the product variety falling within the provision of paragraph a uh, shall apply to a variety that's essentially driven from the protected variety where the protected variety is not itself essentially driven. So it's a long section. Just take your time to read it. Sorry, my other is also acting up as well. Um, what else? Defenses. So exceptions to breeders' right. You're not using it for so it's it's for private and non-commercial purpose for experimental purpose for the purpose of breeding another variety and except where the provisions under section twenty nine four to six apply, you know, for the list of agricultural crops specified by the minister, the breeder shall not the breeder shall not extend to a farmer who, within reasonably reasonable limits and subject to the safeguard and legitimate interests of the holder of the breeder who uses for propagating purposes. On his own holding. Um, then, exhaustion of breeders' rights, section 31. So, duration how long do can a farmer or a breeder enjoy the right? So, it says the breeders' rights shall expire after 20 years from the date of the grant, except for trees and vines, whose breeders' rights shall expire after 25 years from the date of grant. So, I think I'm going to wrap up that um yeah i think that that covers the whole and then the decision to hear this related to this is the federal high court as defined by section 56 which is the interpretation section so the courts that will hear disputes on breeders right to be the federal high court um well yeah thank you thank you and that's it for uh, breeders' rights. We're going to focus on intellectual property rights in the pharmaceutical industry and patent, and then talk a little bit about um, Napoleon Usher, who had a company that, um, who um, prior to Camille's death, she was jabbing him, stating that the work he created didn't belong to me, as he was hiring other persons to, you know, create the products. Um, Whatever. But yeah. Fun facts I prefer that I discovered about the names of the characters. That means the heirs of Roderick Usher were from Edgar's Allan Poe stories and poems. For instance, Frederick is from his first printed short story titled Metzengestern, a tale in imitation of the German. And his death was inspired by one of his stories titled The Pit and the Pendulum, which is also the title 
of the episode that Frederick died. Then you also have Victorian Lafourcade, whose death is based or was based on Poe's story, The Telltale Heart. How creative are the I mean everyone involved in this mini mini series, how creative are they? You get? I'm, I'm truly, truly inspired. Trust me, guys. Now, to the next part of my story, which is pharmaceutical patent protection. Uh, I, I wouldn't want to delve a bit, delve into world trade law and how they relate to you know this story. But then you might be wondering, what does patent law have to do with a gothic horror story? Well, as you may know, the Usher family made their fortune by developing and selling drugs that were supposed to cure um, various diseases and conditions. But I think the primary focus of research for um, Roderick was, you know, they were inspired. He and his sister Madeline were inspired to look for a cure, um, something that would ease the pain for people suffering from terminal diseases. And, you know, they also use their influence and wealth to do a lot of things. And we saw how Venna came into the whole picture. And then 40 years later, all the things, all the Baba things, <laughs> all the things they had done started to catch up, you know, with them. They used their influence and wealth to secure patents for their products. Um, prevent companies from producing cheaper and safer alternatives. It also got monopoly over the market. Um, there's also that case. I think that was the first episode, and that's how Perry died with the um, acid bath in the sex OJ sin. I shouldn't be saying that. I hope they don't ban this episode, shall we? Just cry for you, people. But. IP rights in the pharmaceutical industry for me would, you know, first we talk about what IP rights are, and these are legal protections that grant the inventors and of inventions such as drugs the exclusive right to use to produce and sell them for a certain period of time, twenty years. The main types of intellectual property in the physical, um, the pharmaceutical industries are patent, trademark, and trade secrets. Patents are granted for new, non-obvious inventions such as new drugs or new methods of making drugs. It also gives the patent holder the monopoly to prevent other people from making, using, or selling the patented invention for a limited period of time. So if you recall Roderick's meeting with um, Rufus when he went to make that pitch, remember? And and his statement to Dupin. He, that he regretted, or he said, I do not own Ligotone. You know, he did not create it. Some other person created it and assigned or licensed or waived their right or whatever they did to Ligotone. So, patents is meant to incentivize innovation by rewarding the inventors with a temporary monopoly and allowing them to recoup their research and development costs, which is why I would say for pharmaceutical drugs that are rather expensive, you find that people might want to um, create pirated um, versions or street engineered derivatives such as Monty, 
so they still get the same experience but at a cheaper and lower rate i don't know if that makes sense please let me know if it makes sense um there are also regulations in terms of creating affordable medicine in a matter of life and death, such as you know, when we had the COVID, the pandemic, that conversation was being had, politics everywhere, IP waivers, discussions, etc., etc. Um, you you look at the minimum standards that have been set for protecting and enforcing of intellectual property rights, such as patent. You also be talking about the truce agreement. Um, which is supposed to balance the interests of patent holders and public health by allowing some flexibilities and exceptions for countries to protect their citizens. For examples, countries can issue compulsory licenses which allow them to produce or import generic versions of these patented drugs without the consent of the patent holder in cases of national emergency or public policy crises. Um, and, and Nigeria has that provision under the patent act but i think um, if i recall from what the law provides is that you have to go through the courts to be able to enforce that um um but yeah you have to go through the courts to be able to to enforce that there are also talks as as to whether they should extend the patent term beyond 20 years and not so conversation on prohibiting compulsory licensing and parallel um, imports, um, which may end up preventing generic drugs such as Monty that was listed in the movie, um, you know, can also make it harder or impossible for developing countries. I don't know why, I think, so I think as at 2013, 2014, 2015, Nigeria was categorized as a least development country or least developing country, LDC, you know, um for 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 diseases or viruses or pandemic related um situations like the monkey i think the monkey pox last year covid 2020 you know so what does this then have to do with the usher family as you may have guessed fortunado pharmaceutical was one of the main main uh, beneficiaries, I would say, of this whole international. I'm I'm looking at it from, you know, from the real world now. You know, uh, there's political clout and lobbying power to influence uh, and push for certain things, which was why duping was so um, focused in trying to get justice because he felt that the Fortunado pharmaceuticals were not doing a good job. Um, people were dying and getting addicted, and it's like the consequences um, of of how um, pharmaceutical patent protections and world trade law were basically uh, interplay. Then. Um, trying to get my thoughts now but forgive me so let's say let's talk about the downside of pharmaceutical patent protection now if you create monopolies and barriers 
uh, it can create not if, if we, it can create monopolies and barriers for access for essential medicine, especially for the developing countries. Are you talking about the case of COVID? Um, which re- some of these diseases require effective and affordable treatments, but often the better drugs are too expensive or unavailable. I think his wife Judo was on a high dose of medication, and the fact that she was immune to being addicted to it, something like that made her the miracle case and also the push from Victoria trying to work or get the heart mesh design device working. That's another patented work. So patent will basically protect the functionality of how that product will work. Patent basically focuses focuses on um, solving um, issues in the society. Now, let's look at it from the Nigerian aspect. How can Nigeria balance the interests of patent holders and public health? How can Nigeria ensure that its people have access to the medicine they need um, while also respecting the intellectual property rights of innovators? I think I saw a publication a um, couple of hours or days ago where they said 14, the federal government has given 14 um, patent holders their certificates, which is nice but small. But then, we're getting there. So these are some of the legal and um, policy options that Nigeria can expect. We're already talking about compulsory licensing, which is a mechanism that allows the government or a third party to produce or import generic versions of patented drugs without the consent. Um, then government uses like a similar mechanism for compulsory licensing, but it involves direct use of patented drugs by the government or its authorized agents for its own purposes, such as public health services or national defense. And they don't need the license. They don't need to obtain license from a patent holder because as we know, when you talk about IP, CPA, which is consent permission authorization, is very important. However, for government use, they still have to pay a fair remuneration to uh, the owner of the, the patent. They have parallel importation, which is another mechanism that allows the importation of cheaper drugs from other countries. I think a few months back, we had um, in, in the news that GSK and less, the rest were living in Nigeria and conversations were coming up as to how will people be able to afford the drugs. What will happen in this case, we're going to opt for a parallel importation where we import cheaper drugs from other countries that will be sold at lower prices in Nigeria, but not, the, the, the economy is not smiling with anybody right now. So I don't know if it's going to be sold at lower prices or we're going to assume that, oh, this is more affordable. But then this will now create price competition and then lower the cost of medicine for consumers. Um, however, this mechanism is subject to um, international exhaustion of rights, which means that the patent holder can only prevent viral import if they have not authorized the sale of the drug, their drugs in another country. So that's phase one, which is patent. Phase two is trademark. Trademarks protect distinctive signs such as names, Ligaton, Monty, you know, Fortunado, um, Lando Farms, logos, symbols, identifying distinguished products or services of a particular source from those of others. It helps consumers recognize um, and trust the quality and safety of the products or services they buy. Trademark can also help producers to build brand loyalty and reputation. For instance, paracetamol in Nigeria, people ask it for um, M and B or MZO. You know, that's what trademark does. Trade secrets are the confidential information that gives a business an edge over its competitors, such as formulas, processes, methods of production. 
and they are protected by keeping them secret and preventing unauthorized disclosure or use by others and can last in perpetuity as long as it remains secret and valuable. Now, still talking about the fall of the House of Usher, remember when... <laughs> so if you've watched it, remember when... If you haven't watched it, when you're watching, when Victorian um, killed... Oh, I can't help it. Okay. Victor, Vicky, the doctor, she shall died. She killed... Eh. Let's talk. <laughs> so she she died, right? And the police had to come into the, her place to do the investigation and stuff. And then Pim, Otto Pim, their lawyer, was on standby. So when the police took something, they were like, no, you can't take that. That's our intellectual property. No, you can't take that. That's our intellectual property. And the, the officer was upset. He was like, is he going to keep doing this over and over again? I was like, yeah. You know, and then they had to ask them, said, um, I mean, I liked how diligent Pete was, as the lawyer was, and the emphasis he tried to make in terms of uh, each of the various type of intellectual property. So it, I saw it from the IP aspect when Pete was in the middle, like, can't take that as intellectual property. And I was like, yo, man, that's trade secret. You don't want another person to get access into You don't want it to fall into the wrong house, you know? So yeah, I've talked about the three main components. So you remember where I said when Roderick was telling Dupin about the lemony story I talked about putting the seed in the wild and then see for copyright infringement. Maybe that was not the right um, type of infringement of IP you should have mentioned, but you know, an infringement basically is when someone um, uses your work on, without your consent, permission, or authorization for, for monetary purposes, basically. Now, intellectual property rights in the pharmaceutical industry can have both positive and negative effects on access, affordability, and innovation of drugs. On one hand, intellectual property rights can encourage innovation by providing incentives and rewards for inventors and inventors to develop new and better drugs. It can also foster competition by creating a market for generic drugs that can enter the market after expiration of patents. On the other hand, intellectual property rights can also restrict assets and affordability of drugs such as legal term by creating barriers for generic manufacturers and generic manufacturers like Monty and limiting the availability of low-cost alternatives. IP rights can also hinder innovation by creating patent tickets that block or delay the entry of new competitors or by discouraging the sharing of knowledge and technology among researchers. The balance between IP rights and public health is a complex and controversial issue. And I agree, the pandemic was a clear example of it. It requires careful consideration of the interests and needs of different stakeholders such as inventors, producers, consumers, government, and the international organization there's not a one-size-fits-all solution for this but rather there's a need for context specific policies and strategies that can promote both innovation and access to essential medicine for all now i'm going to talk about two of the legitimate children that's napoleon and tamari now napoleon he was into games or hired people to develop and then he was the face same thing with tam who had a wellness fitness thingy going on with her husband but 
had her own issues anyways and she and her husband ended up split splitting but prior to that there was this dispute as to when he's talking about our brand and she's emphasizing my brand i mean someone's ready i mean you're married so what happens when couples decide to create a brand themselves who bears or who owns the work it should be expressly stated you know so that um, when this will like this arise such as one with tama her husband you know what to do but i think her husband really loved her but she was in love with him but then back to napoleon so in an event where you hire someone please sign a work for hire agreement or categorically states in the personal agreement that they were hired to specifically do x and that they will assign all of their rights to you take note that now under the nigerian copyright act moral rights cannot be assigned so all of you that anyone let me not say all of you, but if, if you're fond of putting or if you're seeing your clause in perpetuity, moral rights in perpetuity, it's no longer it's no longer um enforceable in Nigeria. The law states that if a moral right was transferred, either by operation of law or I can't remember the other one, but it will only last for the time for the term of duration that the copyrighted book lasts. So in employment related issues, whether I say for patent or trademark, ensure that you categorically state who owns the work. The owner of a work and the author of a work are to different. The author is the person that created it. The owner is the person that gets to commercialize and monetize it at the end of the day. And I think now I think that's what Napoleon and Tam were actually doing. So if you have not watched the fall of the house of usher yet i will recommend that you please do so if you if you have it in for horror please do if you don't stay away but listen to ipc this podcast okay yeah And with that, we've come to the end of episode 116 of the IP series podcast. Thank you once again for listening to me. If you enjoyed this or you learned something, please subscribe to my podcast. Leave me, leave a review. Send me a voice note. Send me an email to ipseriesinfo at gmail.com. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, IP friends, for listening. Until next time, stay safe and stay curious. Mwah.